Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show to hear how you can get a copy of today's program and other helpful documents. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Hello, you're listening to KABF in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm Carrie McCoy, and it's time for me to get all up in your business. For the next hour, my guests and I will be having a conversation of curiosity and storytelling. We will be answering questions via phone and email and giving advice to small business owners and to people who dream of owning a small business. You may be asking yourself, what makes this lady qualified to do this? And I'll tell you, experience. So in a minute, you can email or call and ask me anything. My experience is deep and wide and my advice is free. 40 years ago, with just $400, I started Arkansas Flag and Banner. Since then, it's morphed into simply flagandbanner.com, with sales nearing $4 million. That's worth saying again. I started Arkansas Flag and Banner with just $400, and today we have sales nearing $4 million. I started by selling flags door-to-door, then went to telemarketing, next mail order and catalog sales, and today we rely heavily on the Internet. In addition, over the last 40 years, I've navigated Flag and Banner through two recessions and two wars. When people find out I'm that woman who owns Arkansas Flag and Banner, they often say, oh, I've heard about you, and begin asking me business advice. I amaze even myself with all the knowledge I've gained. If you call for advice from me or my guests, you will not be given textbook answers or theory, but you will be given candid advice from real-world people. So be prepared for the truth. It's not always easy to hear. For instance, you may not want to hear this. In business, there are very few overnight successes. Starting and owning a business takes persistence, perseverance, and patience. When I started Arkansas Flag and Banner, I supplemented my income by waitressing, all while I peddled my flags door to door. After nine years, did you hear me? Nine years of working a part-time job, the company began to grow and solely support me. My first hire was a bookkeeper. My first expansion was to begin the manufacturing of custom flags. The next decade ushered in the Desert Storm War. Flags were scarce, so a screen printing department was hurriedly built to meet consumer demands. In addition to sales and manufacturing, Flag and Banner now has a purchasing department, a shipping department, technology department, marketing department, call center, and retail store. And I spearheaded each of their development. My experience is deep and wide, and my advice is free. I hope you'll take advantage of this unique opportunity by calling or emailing me on today's show. Before we start taking calls, I want to introduce you to the people at the table. We have Tim Bowen, our technician, who will be taking your calls and pushing the button. Say hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. I'm lucky to have two guests today. Eric Hergert from Hub International of Arkansas, and his son, Ryan Hergert, the CEO of Chef Shuttle. Everybody's interested in that. (laughs) First, I'll introduce his father, Eric Hergert, who was born in Paragould and attended Catholic High School in Little Rock, Arkansas. Eric has a bachelor's degree in marketing from the University of Arkansas and is a veteran insurance broker. Having worked in the field for over 20 years, in 2011, he led the effort of bringing Hub International a leading global insurance broker to the state of Arkansas. And with Eric today is his son, Ryan Hargett. Even as a teenager, Ryan has been a hardworking, avid entrepreneur. At the age of 15, he saw his first opportunity when he started a power washing business. 
Ryan secured a $1,000 loan from his parents, got a hardship driver's license, and bought the necessary equipment from Sears Department Store to begin his small business. He immediately hit the ground running by distributing 2,000 flyers across town and going door to door to promote his new power washing business. In the first summer alone, Ryan sold $20,000 at the age of 15. And in the years to come, he quadrupled it. One way was by hauling junk mail for $100 an hour during the winter months. He sold his business for an impressive profit. Next, while attending the University of Mississippi in Oxford, AKA Ole Miss, Ryan in true entrepreneurial spirit saw another opportunity. His new concept was simple. Poor college students could opt in to receive local bar and restaurant drink specials via text messages. This business was called the Daily Quench. To keep up with the overwhelming success of his new venture, he partnered with local restaurants to sell his Daily Quench cards. Before returning home to Little Rock, he sold this business. Now at the age of 23, he had started and sold two highly successful businesses. Today, we know Ryan Hergett as the founder of Chef Shuttle. Its mission to deliver a variety of products in a timely fashion. This restaurant delivery service has expanded to more than 42 cities across Arkansas and Tennessee. To date, it has partnered with more than 425 restaurants and has 225 delivery drivers. It sounds like a nightmare to me. Always thinking, Ryan continues to implement innovative partnerships from boat delivery on Lake Hamilton to floral delivery. Chef Shuttle's strong growth history is making a good case for moving its current business model towards that of a national franchise. Welcome to the table, Eric and Ryan Hergett. We appreciate you having us. I'm so glad y'all both came. You know, his, his bio was 20 times longer than mine, so he's accomplished <laughs> much more than I have. I'm a simple insurance guy. He's done quite a bit more than I have. I know you're a proud father. Yes. Well, out of respect to you, we're going to start with you, and I'm going to ask the age-old question. Is it nature, his genetics, or is it nurture your guidance that has made Ryan so entrepreneurial? You know, um, the fact I told him I wasn't going to give him a whole lot of money in high school kind of forced him to go out and raise his spending money. And then he graduated from college three or four years ago, what, mid-May, and I told him, you know, congratulations, you're on your own in two weeks, June 1. So he, uh, yeah, you got to set it out there for him and let him go succeed, and he's done terrific at that for sure. But he's an entrepreneur. I mean, he thinks of stuff that most of us would never, you know, even go down that path. I think that's called tough love, Dad. Yeah, I'm a tough love guy. Oh, look, Ryan's shaking his head. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, so we're going to jump to Ryan. Do all your friends think you're a rock star? Um, when they want jobs, they do. <laughs> uh, so let's ask the question that's probably the most important one. Are you married? I'm not. I'm not. The, uh, the startup, small business lifestyle, uh, especially in the beginning, sometimes limits your opportunity. So I am, uh, I'm not married. Um, I read where you work seven days a week, and since you started Chef Shuttle, have never had a day off work. I actually changed that a couple of weeks ago. I took Saturday off, and it was a good Saturday. And, you, and the reason you never take a day off is? You know, there's a, you've got your traditional small business, and then you have your startup. And the difference is a startup, our goal is not to be in business 20, 25, 30 years from now. Our goal is to build a company as fast as possible and then to position ourselves to uh, potentially be acquired. 
And so we're trying to go from zero to 100 in a five-year time frame. We've got a, you know, a few acquisition targets, whether it be an Amazon or a Google, that would be interested in entering our business. And so we've got to get to a certain point in the next couple of years, and so it requires a lot of work to get to that point in such a short period of time. What is that point, or can you share it with us? Uh, we want to be in 15 markets. You know, 15, 20 markets is our goal. Um, does that mean states? Uh, market we define as a metro area. So here, starting in 2017, we have new software launching, and we are opening one market every two months starting in February. So we'll open, you know, whether it be a Tulsa or Oklahoma City or a Nashville, and we're going to grow in these uh, mid-sized metro areas that are the size of Little Rock or Memphis. We're not looking to go after the Dallases or the Los Angeleses, going after the smaller metro I areas. I think that's smart. And we're... Um, we're looking to get to the 15, 20 metro areas and position and you've ourselves. You've already done Little Rock. You've already done Memphis. And we've done Northwest. So you said you're doing software. I thought about that. All these deliveries seems like a logistic nightmare to me. I wondered if you had your own software, if you developed your own software, or if you're using something out of the box. We are currently using something out of the box, and that's our biggest constraint right now is the software provider we use is apparently you know the best in the nation out of the box software, but his software was only designed to For do floral. <laughs> yeah. you know, what was it designed 10,000 orders a month and oh. we're doing 30,000 orders a month um, and so we've outgrown the software and so now we're looking to build our own in order to be able to uh, to scale because the limit on our growth in terms of opening new markets has solely been from a software point of view so we're going to get rid of that hurdle uh, when our software launches in the next couple months and and then grow from there making your own software is a nightmare it is it is. How long have you been working on it? We've been working on it the last six months. Um, and you think you're going to launch it by the spring? We've got a really good team on it. We're, we're not so. Are one you using of, a company in Little Rock? We're using a. We couldn't find anybody in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. We we're using a company out of Dallas. One of my philosophies is if you want to, you know, grow as fast as Chef Shuttle and, and our dreams are, that you you've got to find third parties that you trust in to become the expert for you. Mm -hmm. we, do, we don't have time to become the expert in absolutely everything. And so when it comes to our software, we found a third party we trust to become that expert for us. You've got to have deep pockets to just do what you said. We have investors, and we're going through a round of funding right now. You didn't go to a bank to get investing. to get inve You didn't go traditional banking, did you? No. So let's go back to when you gave him. Um, Eric, did you give him $1,000 to start his power washing business? You know, I don't remember that, actually, but uh, if he says I did, I did. I read it. It may All be right. a typo. He did? Look. Yeah, he's, uh, he demanded payment for a while, so I had to pay him back pretty <laughs> fast. So I think that that is, that we need a, Chef Shuttle is a big deal, but for listeners that are younger and want to just start a business, you just saw an opportunity. You were 15 years old. What made you think you had what it took to start a business and make it happen? You know, I think being that young, I wasn't mature enough to, you know, to look at it that way of, you know, what's going to go into running this business. It was more out of a desire to not rely on my parents for money. You know, back when we were 14, 15, our parents would drop us off at the movie theater and we'd go, you know, to McDonald's before and go to the movie theater. And, you know, you'd sit there, your parents give you a $20 bill and, you know, you might not be able to buy the popcorn you want. I thought to myself, there's got to be a better way to do this, you know. I want to earn my own money so I can buy the popcorn I want. That's exactly the reason I did it. I just wanted more than money than my parents would give me. There we go. Yep. And that was the motivator. 
Mm -hmm. So if you're listening out there and you want more than you currently have, I guess they call that ambition, you think there's an opportunity everywhere for everybody. And there is. It, it, it takes hard work and dedication. How did um, you decide on power washing? The power washing space was a necessity that I saw uh, cut consumers needing about once a year, but it wasn't an area or an industry that had a lot of competition. You know, you see a lot of lawn care companies, but you don't see too many pressure washing companies. And so what I did... Were you pressure washing around your house and thought about it? Is that how you came about it? No, I actually had never pressure washed before. I just saw that, you know, going through my neighborhood, everybody's fence was gray oh. and everybody's driveway was black. And doing some research, how you solve that problem is through pressure washing. And obviously nobody was hiring pressure washing companies or else people's driveways wouldn't have been black and their fences wouldn't have been gray. And so I started a pressure washing company. And one of the things that I took advantage of was I took advantage of my age and I took advantage of, I was at Catholic high at the time. And so on the flyers, I made sure to put, you know, I'm 15, 16 years old, you know, Catholic high. And people want to help somebody that's trying, you know, at a young age to make it on their own. And I wasn't technically on my own yet, but they, somebody was trying to start their own business. And I, I took advantage of that. And so that really helped me because people would get these flyers and say, I'm going to choose this kid over a professional service. Because, because I want to help he's working him. Hard. Because he want, he's working hard. But I'm surprised you knew that young. I didn't know that till I got older and looked back and thought all the breaks I got was because they were like, well, look at this young whippersnapper selling door to door. I'm going to help her out. Isn't she trying hard? But I didn't know that at the time. I felt inadequate and embarrassed at my youth. You didn't feel that way. You know, when you're in college or high school, I don't necessarily know if your youth holds you back. Once you get out of college... And me being the CEO of a company, going through fundraising, you know, my youth, people say he's 26, he's trying to raise X amount of money, you know, this is a young guy, we, he's got to prove himself. But being in high school or college, though, I think it's more to your benefit than your detriment. I think you are absolutely right, and I think that was very insightful for you to recognize that so early on. Yes, I, I do remember the loan. <laughs> and it, I he's look at my calendar, <laughs> it was a couple thousand dollars, it was not a thousand. Oh, we got to edit it. Look, yeah. is that right, Ryan? Uh, there's been a lot happened since then. <laughs> I know all I, that loan went on to make quite a bit of money, so it was definitely yeah. worth it. It was, it was very worth it. So he did, uh -huh, go ahead, he did not, uh, in high school and through college, he didn't ask me for any money. So, yeah, we helped him with the necessities, a car and a place to live, but spending money, I never gave him a nickel. So because you didn't give him enough. Yeah, exactly. So he wanted more. Exactly. You know, by my senior year, you know, pressure washing, we were only open, you know, three months out of the year during the summers. We mm -hmm. were open June, July, and a little bit of August. Um, by my senior year, I think I had, you know, like $80,000 at, at 17 years old, working what? three months. And what? Why am I providing say? a car? Yeah. Uh, it, uh, Did you say $80,000? Yeah, that business, it, at, it grew. It, it grew, and there was no overhead. So you hired your friends? I hired some friends. I hired uh, my brother. I hired anybody who could, who could help work. And, and that's did you when pay, the, Did you pay contract labor? Uh, yes. Or did you hold out taxes? No, we were, we were paying independent contractors. Okay, that's good. So, I'm sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? You hired your brother? Yeah, and I think... You have two brothers. Did you hire both of them? Um, no, my younger brother doesn't want to get his hands dirty. My uh -huh. Connor. But no, Connor's... The baby. Connor's, uh, Connor has his own 
passions. You know, he's a pilot where my younger brother is more business school oriented Cole. And so Cole's the one who helped me because um, he he eventually took it over uh, once I went to college because I moved on to my next company and he took it over. But then once he was about to go into college, we ended up selling it because uh, just the time that needed to be committed during those three months, you know, and yeah. I was focused on another project and, and it was kind of getting too much for him. So we ended up selling the company. What was the name of that company? Uh, Premier Power Washing. So you left when you went to college. Mm-hmm. You sold it. You sold it. And is it still going on? Uh, yes. So anybody out there that's listening, that's wanting to make some money that's young, which is when I really started. I was 15 when I started going. I really don't like same thing. I really would like to have more money than my parents are going to give me. And this is a great way. Anybody can start like this. That Go buy a power washer at Sears and start knocking on doors. Did you make your flyer? And we're going to move on to the Daily Quench because I want to show a pattern in Ryan's entrepreneurial spirit that I think people can learn and grow from. But when you made up your flyer, did you just do it on Word? Just did it on Word, Let's took it off Depot. show how simple it is. And who, and did you go around and put it up on corners, on, yep. like, on street so, corners? So uh, the key to the flyers I found was I never printed anything on white paper. I always printed it on the brightest yellow highlight color paper I could find so it would stick out. And originally what I would do is I would go around and put them through mailboxes. And obviously I got in a little bit of trouble doing that. That's right. For people who don't know, you can't use the U.S. Mail Postal Service mailboxes to put flyers in. It's a federal crime. They they called him. He remembers. Yeah, they did. Well, the, the gentleman who called me said you can't do this, but we just rolled out a creative solution that I think uh, you'll benefit from. And he introduced what the uh, post office has a program called EDDM or Every Door Direct Mail. And what you do for, I think it's 15 cents a flyer, you know, you say, I want this mailman or mailwoman delivers this route. I want her to drop these flyers on every house on a route. They'll do that? And they'll do that. And so right when they came out with it, that's now how I started distributing my flyers is because this mailman has 800 houses he's going to, you give him 800 flyers, and so you pay discounted postage of 15 cents because he's just putting it in every single mailbox. Who did you call? With the, the local you, post? You can go. They've actually got a whole website now um, on the post office. You can just type in, you know, U.S. Postal Service, Every Door Direct Mail. Every Door Direct Mail. And they have a tool now. We've used it some for Chef Shuttle where you put in a zip code and it'll show you all of the individual routes that are in that zip code for the mail and you select what routes you want your flyers to go to. Is this to. how you advertise for Chef Shuttle? Um, it's, it's one of the ways, one but we, the do, ways. we do a lot. We do a lot more. When we, open a, when we open a market, we'll utilize every door direct mail to really get the name, the name out there. It's the it's a best way to blanket an area. I've never um, heard of it. But yeah, every door direct mail, it, it, it's a great tool. And I think it was a great compromise for the post office. Um, it was hard for him to get mad at a, you know, 15, 16, 17 year old. So once again, using your youth to yeah. your advantage, they're like, um, the innocence of it, you know, the innocence of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my dad told me this was okay. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, it, like uh, your dad's hard. going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Better him than me. No, <laughs> wouldn't that been something though? Yeah. So let's move on to Eric. I'm sorry, I'm neglecting you. Oh, no, I'm enjoying rehashing all this. I know, you're grinning from ear to ear. You're having a good time. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Daily Quench. Quench. I want to I show there's this pattern in the way. I mean, you're even at Chef Shuttle using some of the stuff you learned at the power washing business. So 
at Premier Power Washington. Is that what it was? Yes. And now we've moved to Daily Quench. One of the problems I see a lot of entrepreneurs do is they name their businesses so abstract that nobody can tell what they are. All three of your business names are descriptive. Yes. So you go, oh, Daily Quench. I get it. You want to know the daily drinking holes. I understand that. So talk about how you saw the opportunity for the Daily Quench and how it came about. Um, with Daily Quench um, was when I was a junior in college at Ole Miss. And oh, so it wasn't right off the bat. wasn't when you first got to Ole Miss. No, because we were still um, – I had taken a, an internship at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney. I had taken an internship in New York at a company called Marsha McLennan. And an at, internship for doing what? Um Insurance like your dad? Back One of them insurance. was. One of them I was. Like um, because I, I didn't know what I wanted to do at that point. You know, I knew I had something great with Premier Power Washing, and it was making, um, you know, oodles and oodles of money for us. But I was trying to figure out what do I want to do, and so I was trying to get you know as much experience as I can. And what I noticed was, you know, at Ole Miss, we're known for uh, a party school. Really, and, I didn't uh, know that. <laughs> um, and I I saw that you know I could bring traffic to certain bars if they offered me or my customers an exclusive special. So I went to these bars and I said, if you, if your Bud Light, let's say is $3 a bottle, if you will sell it to my customers for $1.50 a bottle for only daily quench customers, I will then notify all of my customers about this special and I'll bring everybody to you. Instead of, you know, if there's 15 bars in Oxford, Instead of them being dispersed among the 15, give my customers a special. So you target marketed to your really niche market through text messaging, right? Yes. So instead of going and advertising in the paper, today we've got Bud Light for $1.50, some broad, expensive advertising, mm-hmm. which is very expensive to do that sort of advertising. They could pay you a much smaller amount. Yeah, and with college students, it's hard to reach college students. Because they don't read the paper. They don't read the paper. Um, they're typically... They don't watch TV. Yeah. You can't really... Email marketing is ineffective because they're not using their personal email. They're using their school email that they're required to use. And Which you're is not, blocked. Exactly. And so I never thought about all that. It's, but the college student is the most valuable customer to a company because that is when preferences and opinions are formed in college. And so in college, if you're a Bud Light drinker in college, you're going to be a Bud Light drinker for the rest of your life. But really? you can go from one drink and then start preferring another drink in college and now you're out of college and that's the second drink's the one you're going to prefer and so being able to grab these customers at a young age and mold their opinions and then be able to profit for the rest of their life off of them i wanted my goal with daily quench was to collect this data that i could you know eventually have this database on the most valuable type of customer out there and so what our plan was originally is well originally you were losing money yeah because what i did was because you just wanted to collect the data and then you were like i read you were losing 200 dollars so a day here's so i read my original business model was the, re- the restaurant seven or eight restaurants and bars were going to pay me a thousand dollars a month and i was going to drive business to them so i created a text messaging service where i think you text rebels to nine zero nine 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 and every day at 5 p.m i would send a text message out and let you know hey this bar is doing half off well drinks or whatever well, I told three people at first, you know, hey, text Rebels to 90999. Within five days, I had over 6,000 people what? in this service. And it just kept blowing up. Well, when you use a text message, you can't just send 
a text message from your iPhone to 6,000 people. You have to use a special text message platform and it costs you, you know, one cent or two cents per person you're sending that text message to. And so what platform did you use? I can't remember oh, the, okay. I can't remember now. Um, so the, the service, it was charging me and it was costing it's like an so e-blast much. e-blast has a service, yep. but it's a text message service. And so if I'm bringing in 8,000 a month in revenue from these bars and, I, and it's costing me, you know, two, three, four hundred dollars a day to send the text message out. Do I'm in the hole. On that. Yeah, I, can't even I mean, four hundred dollars a day times, you know, 30 days, that's twelve thousand dollars. Because your because your text messaging your so many people was getting to be so many people and mm-hmm. they were charging you a penny a person or whatever yep. they do it how they do it and so I knew I had a great idea but a month into it it was uh, this thing's going to go upside down pretty fast and I was sitting around with one of my buddies one evening and it was to his credit it was his idea and he said what if you still use the text message because before to get that special the bar all you had to do was just show your phone and show this text message okay. They said, still send the text message, but instead of showing just the text message, flip your revenue model, make it free to the restaurants and bars, and have customers pay $25 for a daily quench card. And so now they show a card to get the special, and you can make your money from the card. Is the card just a one-time fee, $25? $25 for uh, six months. Oh, for six months. Mm -hmm. And you had 6,000 customers. Yeah, so what happened was we sent a couple texts out, said, as of this date, uh, text message no longer work. You got to buy daily quench cards. And I partnered with one of my bars. I bought a printer offline, a card printer where I could print these cards offline. It was a you know, three or $4,000 printer. I didn't know you could do that. Um, yeah, I, said, I told a bar owner, I said, if you'll pay me $1,000 plus give me and a couple of my, my buddies a free bar tab for the night from <laughs> 8 p.m. 8 p.m. until midnight, we will stay up here selling daily quench cards. And this will be the first place that daily quench cards are sold. And so I think a lot of people come and buy them. Oh, I bet you were sleeping. So we sent the text message out and I showed up at about 7.30 and there was a line almost around the block. And we were nonstop. We didn't leave that bar until 1, 2 a.m. And we were selling the entire time. And on the first night, and most of our transactions were cash, you know, $25, a 20 and a $5 bill. Most, uh, most everybody was just paying cash. As we were packing up, I looked around and I'm like, I've got $25,000, $30,000 on cash oh on me from this one night. Gosh, this guy is just a money machine. <laughs> and well, it was scary because I was, you know, I was like, I'm getting robbed. It's who's not going to rob me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm walking out with all this money on me. Everybody's seeing me with this money. So what'd and, you do with it all? Um, put it in the, ba- in, in the uh, safe in the restaurant? I called a bunch of fraternity brothers and... They helped get me out of the out of the bar, and I, I went back to my house and I sat in my bedroom all night, just with a looking, gun on your lap, <laughs> just looking at the door, like at any point somebody's coming in. Um, He's paranoid. But no, and, and it turned out to be a. Um, and then the next week success. you went to another bar, and then another bar, and so you just moved around from bar to bar till you ended up with how many bars that were selling daily quench cards? Yeah, we we moved around from bar to bar selling them, and then what we eventually started doing was pre-printing daily quench cards and giving them to the bar so and the bar could, could sell, sell themselves. And did they get a kickback the bar? Yeah, they got, I think, $5. And then we started going to these fraternity and sorority presidents and giving them $5 a card to be able to promote them to their members. Um, and then, you know, six months later, we decided to open uh, Starkville, Mississippi, which is Mississippi State. And so what we did is six days a week, um, every day except Sunday, I would drive. At 5 p.m., I would leave. I wouldn't come back till midnight. But six days a week for almost a year, I would go down to Starkville, and which is 
two and a half, you know, hour and a half, two hours south of Ole Miss, where Mississippi State right. is. And I started selling in Starkville as well. And we had a really good reception from Starkville, similar to what we had in Ole Miss. And after I graduated, I had an investor approach me and say, let's blow this up to, you know, multiple cities. Because we found the key to it was going into a new markets, getting these fraternities and sororities on board. Mm-hmm. You know, if 30, 40% of a population are a member of fraternity sorority, it's an easy way to, yeah. to hit pretty fast. And um, so with this new investor on board, we hired quite a few people, um, and we expanded from two colleges to 10, 15 across, you know, seven, eight states. Have- Fayetteville, we had it in Fayetteville. Uh, we had it in uh, Texas A&M. We had it in Georgia. We had it at University of Memphis. We had it, we had it everywhere. Is it still going? Um, it actually is wound down a little bit after I left. Um, I left the company and, um, and decided to go do Chef Shuttle, and it wound down a little bit. You know, it needed a lot of hustle behind it, and I think I was kind of the heart and soul of it. And it's hard to, it's hard to separate a company from the owner. It is. And if you don't prepare for that transition, you'll run into trouble. And I don't think we, uh, we did a good enough job preparing for that transition. And all of these people I'd hired, they were loyal to me. When I leave all these campus reps, if you don't prepare the correct way, you know, it'll wind up in disaster. We were just talking about that two weeks ago with Barry Corcoran about succession and how they have a loyalty to the original owner. And then when it often changes hands, you get a big turnover. You need another strong personality. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm going to talk to you, Eric. I'm ready. (laughs) Actually, he's Ryan's story is uh, pretty amazing. Oh, everything he's put together and you're so proud i can see you glowing the, over there I, i've told people this story with with my father in the room and with without my father in the room but if it wasn't for him you know i wouldn't have done this How you come? know because if he would have given me everything i asked for and everything i wanted i would have never had a need or desire to try to get what i wanted if he provided it for me and when he took the approach of i'm going to provide you the essentials you're not going to starve. You're not going to go without a, you know, without a roof over your head. You're going to have a good life. But you're not going to be the, you know, a spoiled kid. You're not driving the brand new car. You're driving a very old car as your first car. You're not getting $100 a month. You're not getting my credit card. You're getting $20 a weekend. And by him being disciplined, I had two choices. Either I figure out how to budget the money or I figure out how to earn more. And... That's what I did. I figured I had to earn more. And if it wasn't for that decision, then we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here. And I think the second thing mm-hmm. is he would always preach, do the right thing. Um, no matter the situation, it was do the right thing. And, and doing the right thing is not always the easiest thing to do. Doing the right thing is very often the harder of two choices. And he had always preached, do the right thing. And, and I think that is one of the primary reasons for the success that you know i've had is i've always tried to do the right thing and it it, sometimes it was unpopular at sometimes it cost us money sometimes my employees didn't agree with it sometimes my investors didn't agree with it but by doing the right thing you always come out ahead and Mm -hmm. and and i've trusted in that because he instilled that value in me and uh and and i thank him for that because uh, it's a big reason for, for everything we've done so far. Yeah, I, I told all the kids that 
you know, your reputation is all you got at the end of the day. You know, and if you squander that in any way, everyone around is going to remember it. They 40 will. years from now, they'll they still will. be talking about what you did. To, did your father instill that in you, Eric? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was, dad worked hard while he was in the insurance business, and uh, you bet, it was fun for my brother and me to both watch him and, and how he did things. So you brought Hub International to Arkansas, um, and then you sold it. No, no, actually in 2011. Uh-huh. Uh, Tell everybody what Hub International is. Hub is the largest privately held commercial insurance brokerage in the country. So we have offices in 330 cities and 8,000 of us, and we're very, very good risk managers. So, you know, by far the largest broker in Arkansas, with the exception of one, but they don't do uh, all the lines that we do here in You're Arkansas. talking about Blue Cross Blue Shield? No, commercial property casualty. Oh. Uh, now, we do have benefits and all that, but, but I'm primarily a property and casualty guy. So, but, but we started in uh-huh. 2011. I started an insurance right. agency. Uh, and in 2015, we sold that to Hub International. Oh, I see. So you're an entrepreneur that started your own agency. What was it called? It was the Holmes Organization of Arkansas, but my partners were out of Tulsa, uh, the Holmes Organization there. And so, yeah, we started, you know, ground up scratch, opened a new operation here, and it was a lot of fun. When did you start that one? Uh, January of 11. And then Hub came in and? And purchased Holmes uh, May 1 of 15. So they, you know, they liked what they saw, obviously. Um, this is genetic. Maybe. Build a business and sell it. I have never done that. Both of y'all have done that. You've done it two times, and you've done it. This is my first time. You know, Hub is a great company, and there are times that I do miss kind of calling the shots a little bit. But it's. Uh, You're still working there. Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. yeah. It's, I wouldn't be anywhere else. Yeah, what so. else are you going to do? Yeah, that's all I know. I do have two Ryan stories. Okay, come on. Uh, uh-huh. One of them is he was, he had taken an eight to five job out of Ole Miss uh, with a competitor of mine and what? In, in New York City. And we were on the plane to New York to move him up there and we were taking off and he said, Dad, I've already quit my job. And, uh, and I, you know, I, we're taking off. And I you said, mean the job that he was going to New York City yes. for? You're on the plane moving him up there and thinking he's going to a new job and he tells you i've already i've quit already quit job. he said I you're can't like well do what it. are we doing on this plane that's exactly what i said and I, and <laughs> I had quit it three months earlier but i was afraid to tell him what and so you let him pack everything up and move y'all up there oh, oh yeah he had a lease for this. a year i signed yeah. a lease <laughs> oh so okay what happened when so you went there in silence i guess on the airplane ride uh, you know i understood it i mean i knew that you know it's not in my genes either to do the the eight to five sit at a desk thing and so he he wanted to go start this new company, and that's what he did. And my other story is he had a little legal issue sometime in college, nothing major. And uh, Besides he, putting uh, mailers in. Yeah, he, he called me and he said, said Dad, I've, I've got a problem, and this is what's happened. And, I, you know, I was like, son, you know, all right. And he said, but don't worry about a thing, Dad. My lawyer's already got it taken care of. And, and I, said, I said, your lawyer? And he said, yes, I've already hired a lawyer, and it's taken care of. Was so. it a friend of yours? No, no, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a good lawyer. Uh, may have uh, had a little drink or so underage. Oh, Ole Miss! I figured that's what it was. Yeah, 
Yeah, I thought it was legal in Ole Miss, but so, you know. So I said, "Well, <laughs> if you're handling is. it, I said, if you're handling it, then then it's your issue, and let's move on to the next subject." Well, that's a can-do kind of spirit that every entrepreneur has. I mean, hmm. they just call up; they've already got the problem. They tell you what it is; they've already got a solution. But I got to hear when you got to New York and you didn't have a job. What was the first thing you did? Because that was my very next question. You graduated from college, moved to New York to follow your father's footsteps of selling insurance, and boom! I'm guessing you saw an opportunity, and the wheels in your brain started to turn. What was it you saw, and how did you act on this hunch? That was after Daily Quench went through the investment. And so I was still working for running Daily Quench. Now I was just having to fly out of New York every Monday and come back on Friday. You were flying um, to Mississippi? I was flying to the south. And, and the reason I'll say uh, that it took me so long to tell my father is, and I think this has a bigger meaning, first, insurance in my family is what we do. Uh, my grandfather, my father. Uh, I think most people who have been in Little Rock for quite a while will tell you in the commercial space that, you know, Dick Herget and Eric Herget are two of the best, if not the best, commercial insurance brokers in the state. And that's my degree was in insurance um, at college. And I thought that I was going to follow in his footsteps until this entrepreneur bug got, in, got into me. And so when I knew I wasn't going to take this job in New York, um, I had trouble telling him because 99% of the population has always looked at their career as I graduate college and I'm going to work for 40 years or for 50 years and I'm going to save up until I become 65 or 70 and I'm going to retire. And I'm going to yep. live out yep. the last 10, 20 years of my life with the retirement. Right. And you know, for over half of my life, I'm going to spend only two out of seven days enjoying my life so that the last 15 years of my life, I can spend seven out of seven days. He's a numbers guy all the way, isn't he? <laughs> well, and I think with, with the younger generation that I'm included in, some of us have a different thought. And my, my thought is what I'm going to do is I'm going to work 110 hours a week. And that's why I work. I work 100, 110 hours a week, and I'm going to try to make enough money to where I have the ability to retire by the time I'm 30. What? And it's going to take a lot of work, and it's going to take a lot of great people, and it's going to take a lot of luck, and it's going to take a lot of breaks. But that's what we're doing right now. And it's hard for somebody to comprehend, what do you mean this is, this is what you're going to do? This is not the norm. This is not what you're taught. This is not what everybody else does. What do you mean you don't have a 401k? What do you mean you're not putting a little bit into retirement? And it's because I want to invest any money I make into startups. And what I'm going to do is if I don't have enough money to where I can retire by the time I'm 30, I figure I still have 30, 40 years in the workforce to catch up with everybody else. Exactly. And so this startup life cycle that I'm in right now is – Let's do this until, um, let's see what happens. And I think right now with Chef Shuttle, people would be surprised with our revenue numbers. We're doing several, several millions of dollars a quarter. Um, when did it start? When did you start it? 2014. From when you had the idea in New York City to when you got it off the ground, how long did it take to, to come fruition? Three months. That's pretty darn fast. So you're, you're sitting in New York City, and, you, and where, how does the idea come to you? You didn't go up there with this idea. No, but you got this idea when you were in New York, didn't you? Yes. You're, uh, you're getting food delivered every day to you. Um, New, while you're in New York. While you're in New York. 
it's a lot easier. Most of the restaurants offer delivery because all you have to do is put somebody on a bicycle and they can hit, you know, quite a big part of the city. And I looked at the South in particular and looked at my hometown of Little Rock and I said, there isn't a service that can offer convenience to customers. And that's when I decided I'm going to come back and I'm going to start Chef Shuttle. And so we started February 3rd, 2014 on my living room couch with seven restaurants, a couple drivers, and, you know, chaos. And <laughs> the first... I love that chaos, yeah, though. In the first eight weeks, we did what we thought we were going to do in revenue for the entire year of 2014. Really? Every one of your jobs has been like that. Every one of your ideas has blown up instantly. It's luck. I mean, a lot of it's luck, but... I think it's intuitive it's hard opportunities, um, too. Mm-hmm. But with Chef Shuttle, with rapid growth you know comes in need for cash what was the first thing you sold when you were doing chef shuttle you went to the restaurants first how did you get it off the oh, ground yeah. in three um, months? so i went to the restaurants first to sell them so would you like for me to deliver your products because you don't have anybody to deliver your products mm-hmm. and they said yes yes and it wasn't a hard sale no we're bringing them incremental business they wouldn't have gotten you know if a customer wants to go eat out chef shuttle stance and view is then go but go to one of our partner restaurants if you want to go eat out however if you want to stay in instead of cooking or instead of ordering from Fast any food. restaurant US pizza. order I mean, from no, one of our pizza. partner restaurants and so for the restaurant you know our business is based upon them and so we try to push them as much business as possible and in turn they'll let us deliver the product because 95 percent of a restaurant's customers are going to fall within a five mile radius with chef shuttle we can expand that radius to 10 or 15 miles. And so now a restaurant has the ability to serve customers. 15 miles? In, in some cases. Um, Is it an app on your phone? It's primarily right now the website, chefshuttle.com. So you go to chefshuttle.com and you have a list of the restaurants that you will deliver. Yep, so you put in your address and it'll show you all the restaurants that are delivered to your address. And how did you get consumers to know about your website to go there so you've gone to the restaurants you've told them about this service now you've got to get consumers to know about it so the restaurants are telling their consumers or how yeah a lot of it is a partnership with the restaurant you know now we've got a marketing director carrie yang who does a really good job with our marketing and getting our brand out there but for a while you did um, the flyers we did flyers that would be a great one to do regional to we do did that. restaurants and then we did yard signs and people driving past yard signs every single day three really unpredictable ways you went to the restaurants Mm -hmm. did you give them something to put on the counter yes that and the door and the door and you trained all their employees to say we can deliver uh we would rely on the tip with the restaurant owner general manager to do so but it's a partnership in every sense of the words does the restaurant get a kickback or they just get increased sales um we take a commission from the restaurant off everything we sell for them Okay. It's how we make our money with Chef Shuttle. So the person that's ordering the food on what, on your website does not pay anything extra for the delivery, or do they have a delivery price? We use the same menu and same price as you find in the restaurant. You only pay a $4.95 delivery fee. The tip is optional. So while most customers add the tip... Does that go to the driver or to the restaurant? It goes 100% to the driver. Okay. So our pricing model is same menu, same prices as the restaurant. We make our money because the restaurant's going to pay us a commission off everything we sell. We process everything through our website. So when you check out and put your items in your cart, you know you're paying the same menu prices. There's a $4.95 delivery fee added. The tip's optional. 
we do encourage it though because that's how our drivers make the money it goes a hundred percent to our drivers um is it hard? so so you so you went to the restaurants got them to buy in i think you probably did that yourself right yes and then you took advantage of the postal service what'd you call that were they every door direct mail every door direct mail which i think is wonderful and then you did yard signs where would you do yard signs in front of the restaurants in front of the restaurants and um our big thing with chef shuttle is if you look at most of the advertising we do we include our restaurant logos in there because chef shuttle as a standalone brand you know what does chef shuttle do are they chefs are they pickup are they delivery are they an ordering process site what is chef shuttle but when you associate chef shuttle with our restaurant partners then it becomes clear restaurant delivery and here are the restaurants i can get my product delivered from so we really try to use uh, a co-branding strategy with our restaurants and with ourselves in order to really drive home our message that chef shuttle is restaurant delivery and we took that model in may of 2014 we went through our first round of funding with la france family uh, we went through another round of funding in 2015 and we're currently going through a pretty big round of funding right now primarily out of the west coast and um, and you're going to be in how many states did you say at the beginning of the show? You had a goal to be able to sell it in five years. To me, it seems like you ought to be able to franchise it. We've had the opportunity to franchise. That um, seems like the next thing to me. You remind me of the guy from Starbucks. You do the right thing, take care of your employees. Those are all the things that Howard Schwartz, is that his name? From, is that Schwartz? From Starbucks um, says yeah. about his company. And he sometimes it was against his board. His board would say, no, you shouldn't be providing health insurance and he was like it's the right thing to do so you're and not into the franchising you're more into selling it i i agree with the franchise but chef shuttle is just stage one our goal is to have an infrastructure to be able to deliver all types of products so chef shuttle and well, that new software you're going to be yeah. able to so we're talking we're going to roll out grocery delivery and we'll eventually roll out uh, dry cleaner delivery and we're gonna have this infrastructure that can deliver all types of product and so until we do that we've had franchisees approach us but until we know how to operate multiple sides of our business at once we don't feel comfortable selling a franchise if we can't say a hundred percent you know this is what your business model is gonna look like in the future because right now we know how to deliver restaurant food and we're really good and we've delivered almost we I think we've actually passed 500,000 orders we've done we're good at that, but we're, we're rolling out other delivery options that we want to make sure we have down before we sell people on them. So when I first started looking at your bio and stuff, I thought, well, he's going to go franchise and then he's going to go and then he's going to go to uh, publicly traded. But now after our conversation, I think you're going to sell all of this and you're going to become a software salesman. If you can get a delivery software working that can work across all those platforms, to me, software is where the money is. You have to do those upgrades and maintenance contracts. They just drive me. I'm just like, what? They put in a couple of new fields and charged you $5,000 for a maintenance contract. Yeah, that's, um, that's a potential. I, I think having this infrastructure will be valuable for us. Uh, the shift in consumer demand, uh, you know, 10 years ago, it was more about I want customer service is my first priority and convenience is second. Now it's shifting towards convenience is my first priority, customer service is second. When you order a product, you want to do it online so you can do it fast. Right. And you want to get that product as soon as you order the product. So 
consumers are going to continue to, the shift is going to continue to be more and more towards when I buy it, I want it. Convenience. And I want to buy it when I want to buy it. I don't want to have to go to a store. And Chef Shuttle, I think, presents this great opportunity where we can be the one with our infrastructure to be able to get that customer any product whenever they want it in the last mile since. So we're... Is it hard to qualify your drivers? I see you synergize with Uber also. There's a, there's a whole other conversation. Um, the biggest thing that sets us apart is we try to be not only a convenience-driven company, but a customer service-driven company. Right. And... But how do you get your drivers and qualify them? Uh, we have quite a few drivers that come from, whether it be our restaurant partners, whether it be their friends telling them, because they're making, on average, 8 $9 an order. So it's word of mouth. It's word of mouth. And then we preach, you know, you're the face of Chef Shuttle. Uh-huh. You know, you're the voice of Chef Shuttle. The customer's relying on you. You know, you treat them, you treat our customers the way we're going to treat our customers. And it's been a good partnership. Yeah, I just love it. I could talk to you for an hour. Please come back. But, Eric, thanks for coming in, even though we didn't talk very much. But hey, for, That's fine. I've, listen, I've enjoyed rehashing everything that I he's could done. tell. you just grinning. This is for you, Eric. I know you're a cigar smoker. Oh, yeah. These cigars come from the Humidor Room at Colonial Wine and Spirits on Markham. Um, and that's for birthing a business. Hmm. And I appreciate it. You're welcome. I should give you three. You birthed three businesses. Yep. And uh, Eric, I should give you three for your three sons that you've done a great job with. Good boys. So they are all great. So thank you to uh, Ryan and Eric Herget for my guests today. They are smart, handsome, and successful father, Eric, and his son, Ryan. Next week will be a holiday week. So my tech, Tim Bowen. Hey. And I will be playing excerpts from previous shows. We have the best of the Barry Corcoran show. He'll be talking about succession, passing on a business, and the best of Matt McLeod, who shares how he melded his passion for painting into a business called McLeod Fine Arts Gallery. If you have questions, or you have a great entrepreneurial story that you would like to share with me, I would love to hear from you. Send a brief bio and your contact info to questions at upyourbusiness.org. And somebody will be in touch. And finally, to our listeners, I want to thank you for spending time with me and my guests, Eric and Ryan Hargett. Thank you all so much for sharing your great stories. I think you've been a great inspiration to a lot of people. I really do. I hope you'll come back. If you think this program's been about you, the listener, you're right. But it's also been about me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next Friday at 2 p.m. on KABF Public Radio, 88.3 FM, the voice of the people. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Want to hear today's program again or want someone else to benefit from it? Jot this down. Within 48 hours, the podcast will be available at upyourbusiness.org and at flagandbanner.com. Again, that's upyourbusiness.org. Check the tab labeled podcast. There you'll find today's segment with links to resources you heard discussed on this program. Carrie's goal to help you live the American dream.